Hello, Center Reed Church. I'm Deidre. I'm here to welcome you this morning and give you some information. Hello to everyone joining us live or later in the week, and hello to any watch parties out there. We'd like to welcome any guests joining us for the very first time. We're so happy you're here. And we'd like to take a few minutes just to share some information with you that will help you for your very first visit with us. As you know, today our gathering is online, but next Sunday the 18th, we're gathering in person and we'd love to meet you face to face. But for today, as you visit online, we trust you still feel at home here. You can learn more about us on our website if you have any questions. If you're gathering live on Sunday, we encourage you to check out the options on the online platform. We'd love for you to share your information with us so we can follow up and get feedback from you. If you'd like, you can explore next steps and find previous messages. For those of you that call Centerway home and would like an easy way to give, there's a tab to do that as well. During the gathering, if you have any questions or would like prayer, just request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're watching or listening after our live Sunday gathering, many of the things that I mentioned can happen through our website. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you have questions, feedback, ideas, or need prayer, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. You can also connect and learn more by visiting our social media, as well as accessing the resources on our website. If you visit the messages page of the website, you'll find all of our messages, including one that's just for kids. They'll sing songs and hear a kid-friendly message that's just for them. They'll still be learning from the same scripture text that we will, so if you have kids in your home, you'll be able to talk about the application and grow together. Also on the messages page are resources like the images that you can put on your devices, links to the Spotify playlist for this series, and access to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. If you'd like to receive the devotionals directly to your inbox instead of going to the website, you can subscribe on the Next Steps page. Before I wrap up, I want to again mention that there are a number of opportunities to gather in person this summer. We're grateful for all the online gatherings, but we really love when we can be in the same place together. Next Sunday, July 18th at 10 a.m., we will begin, or I'm sorry, we will be in person at Pinnacle again. Check out the calendar page um, of the website for those details and all the opportunities to be together. Parents and students out there, remember that there's a movie night this Friday and student circles start next Sunday. You can sign up starting today. Now here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering. Josh will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then I'll close out the gathering with some ways to respond in worship. Right after that, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Now here's Josh with the text for today. Good morning. My name is Josh. I'm gonna be doing the reading this morning from the book of Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test, he said. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse evil and choose the, choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. 
And they will come and settle in the steep ravines and in the clefts of the rocks, and on the thorn bushes and on all the pastures. In that day, the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired behind the, beyond the river, with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep. And because of the abundance of milk that they give, he will eat curds, for everyone who is in the land will eat curds and honey. And that day, every place where there used to be thousands of vines, where thousands of shekels of silver will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrows, a man will come there, for all the land will be briars and thorns. And as for all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns, and they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. Hello and welcome. My name is Claude. My wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. And just want to welcome you as we continue in our series, Summer Breakthrough. And today's message in particular is entitled, Signs. Signs. Um, I don't know about you, but I get quite a bit of entertainment um, hearing about the way criminals are caught, the way they function, they have mishaps and, and stumbles. Obviously, the crimes are not okay, um, but the way that they make mistakes um, are sometimes humorous. And there's one story in particular uh, about a gentleman by the name of Christopher Wallace. He was a 24-year-old um, from Maine, and he was wanted for burglary. And uh, he was everybody was looking for him, and he had um, kind of escaped police and had gone missing. They didn't know where he was for weeks on end. And so... Um, Christopher ends up going back home, unbeknownst to anybody. Uh, he gets into his home, and the police aren't even aware that he's back home. Um, and he goes to Snapchat and tells everybody, hey, all my friends and stuff, just want to let you know I've been laying low because the police are looking for me, uh, but I'm finally home if you need to look me up or find me. Um, and then he found it incredibly coincidental and almost unbelievable that the day he would return home and post on on Snapchat that he was there, that the police would arrive to look for him. And so he hides and the police search his home and don't find him. And they leave thinking they got a bad tip, like almost that the Snapchat thing was a way to mislead them. However, Christopher doesn't end there. He's so blown away by what was clearly just a coincidence that he goes back to Snapchat and says, you're not going to believe it. The day I show up at home, <laughs> the police come and search my house. Good thing I was hiding in this specific cabinet and brags about the hiding place he was in while the police searched his home and how they would never possibly find him there. And so you guessed it. Sure enough, <laughs> the police arrived back at Christopher's home. He goes back to that hiding place and lo and behold, they find Christopher. And when arrested, he says, I cannot believe the bad luck. What are the chances you guys would search my home the day I return and then come back to the very place I was hiding? What a coincidence. I'll tell you what, it just absolutely cracks me up every time. There's examples of it all throughout the internet if you ever wanna entertain yourself. But the question I want to ask today as we move into the text is what is the biggest coincidence you've ever witnessed in your life? 
Now, if you were with us as we journeyed through Mark, you'd remember a talk that I did about coincidences that aren't that are just kind of too perfect to be an actual coincidence, right? I actually shared a story about how what we sometimes think to be coincidental is actually in fact planned by a friend or a loved one and um, they're doing something for us and we think this is all a coincidence but turns out that it's actually an act of their love towards us planning everything well in the same way and on the on this to the same degree that coincidences can kind of come about based on people planning in that same way that things can come perfectly fall into place all of that things can also come unraveled or start to fall apart and you've heard people say man it's just a terrible coincidence right it's to the other extreme I, i'm so unlucky or how about this one i i just can't seem to catch a break or wow what are the chances what are the chances that the police would come back to the very location i disclosed on snapchat <laughs> to look for me listen it may not be some random unlucky coincidence. Get this, and I know we don't like to hear it. As humans, we don't like this reality, but here it is. There are consequences for our actions. There are consequences for our actions. So the same way that we can experience positive things coming together and have it be completely planned and we think it's coincidental, to the same degree on the other side, Things can come apart and we can think, oh my gosh, this is just me being unlucky. No, it's actually a result of our actions, consequences for our actions. I know that seems kind of like common sense, but as humans, we're guilty of confusion when our poor decisions lead to less than desirable outcomes, right? It's like we almost want to buffer ourselves by being like, oh man, I can't believe this happened. What are the chances? Now, I want to be clear here. I mean decisions that you've made. I'm not talking about legitimate situations where people are victimized or things are beyond our control. I'm talking about moments in which we make a choice and then for some reason we act surprised that there's consequences for the decisions that we've made. Okay. I want to really challenge you not to think of someone else because the temptation will be like, oh my gosh, I know exactly who you're talking about. My friend always does that. No, I want you to, to reflect more about yourself and your situation because we as humans are all guilty of this. I have some good news. In the midst of poor decisions, in the midst of even terrible outcomes as a result of the decisions we've made, God is still trying to break through. God is still trying to break through in your life. It's important to realize because sometimes when we've made poor decision after poor decision, it feels like we're just so far down that there's no way we could ever get out of this, that there's no way we can turn or right the ship. Like it's just, we're a victim of our poor decisions if we're willing to come to grips with that. Or we feel like the universe is just against us and we just want to play this blame game where everything coincidentally just falls apart for us. I want to tell you, regardless of whatever narrative you're believing, God is still for you. God hasn't given up on us, okay? He's for us. He has a plan. The question is, are we too wrapped up in our situation and trying to save ourselves that we're not willing to see it? We're not willing to see God working on our behalf. We're too wrapped up in our situation. We're saying, you know what? I can save myself. Or we're kind of throwing in the towel to listen, you know, just bad decision after bad decision, 
Maybe I'm just a failure, a lie that we're willing to believe. You know, this idea of being wrapped up in our situation and trying to save ourselves is exactly where we find Ahaz in the text today. Ahaz, the king of Judah, is afraid of the attacking kingdoms, right? We've talked about that last week. And so he decides to put his faith in the king of Assyria. He thinks, listen, if I can just align myself, if I can create an alliance with the king of Assyria, even though he's my enemy, maybe we can overcome these other kingdoms coming against us. In fact, if you want to read up on it, 2 Kings uh, chapter 16 talks about the reality of this situation. It actually um, shows how Isaiah's prophecy comes about in 2 Kings. So one of the things that it records there in 2 Kings is that uh, Ahaz actually gives part of his treasure to Assyria. He pays them. He gives of silver and gold from the temple so that they would attack Syria. He actually pays his enemy to attack another one. He's trying to to create an alliance to save himself, even though God is saying, listen, just trust me. Fear will make us do some really dumb things. Fear will make us do some really dumb things. Fear of being alone will cause us to pursue unhealthy relationships. Fear of not fitting in will cause us to compromise our morals. Fear of failure will cause us to cut corners and take shortcuts that we shouldn't. Fear can be incredibly destructive. I can go through example after example of how we won't function normally when we are gripped with fear. But it's important to realize that it's not like, oh, I was gripped with fear, so I just did something and I shouldn't bear the consequences. No, fear is not some outside force that, that causes us to do something. We're not a victim of our fear. No, fear, in fact, reveals what we trust. Let me say that again. Fear reveals what we trust. In moments that you're feel fearful, it's because maybe if you say, hey, I'm afraid of the dark. That's because you trust your sight. You trust your ability to see the fearful things, the scary things. And so when your sight is taken away and there's a dark room, suddenly you become fearful because of the unknown, because of what you can't control. I I can give you endless examples of how fear reveals what we trust. I think the most obvious one, I was speaking at uh, another church and at that speaking engagement, they had a, a raised stage and uh, my kids were up on the stage and I was talking to some people at the altar afterwards. And as I'm sitting there having a conversation, one of my kids goes, hey, dad, catch me. And they just come running and jump off the front of the stage. And I turn and I catch them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, well, good thing I was paying attention. Put them down and next kid, catch me. Just unbelievable trust as they just leap into the air off of this raised stage course their father's going to trust them. They don't have a fear in the world. Of course, their father's going to catch them. They don't have a fear in the world. Why? Because they trust their father's ability to catch them. Now, (laughs) if somebody said, hey, Claude, jump off that stage, I'll catch you. I'd have a series of questions. (laughs) One, do you realize how much I weigh? Um, How close are you going to be? Have you ever lifted anything close to my body weight? Are you sure you're going to actually catch me or is the plan just to kind of slow me down? There's a million different questions. Why? Because I don't trust in their ability to actually catch me. And so in the end, I would be fearful of that jump. The same is true in any area or facet of life. Fear reveals what it is that we do or don't trust. 
my kids' trust in me, in their father, leaves no room for fear. They just jump. Ahaz doesn't trust the Lord. He doesn't trust the Lord. So he puts his hope for salvation in the Assyrians. What he sees and what he thinks he can control. Thinks, you know what? I can take care of this myself. So much so that he gives of his treasure. Where do you place your treasure? Where is it that you place your treasure, your time, your talent, your effort? Where is it that you're giving of yourself and attempting to ensure that the outcome of a situation is favorable for you? Where and how do we spend, where and how we spend our money reveals our heart and our idols. People say that all the time, right? Show me your checkbook and I'll show you where it is that your heart leans. Now, checkbook is rather antiquated. So I suppose we could say, show me your credit card bill or your PayPal statement or all the different things that we use nowadays. But the fact is, where it is that we direct our treasure, our finances, it reveals where our heart is, what it is that we care about. Same is true with our time and even our talent. We give of ourselves to the areas that we think are going to give us the best dividend for our time, talent, or treasure. We make decisions, and the consequences of those decisions are simply not coincidental. It's just not coincidental. We can say that it is, but it isn't. It makes a lot of sense. In fact, verse 12 says this, But Ahaz said, so the Lord is asking uh, Ahaz to ask for a sign. He's, he's saying to Ahaz, listen, if you're wondering if you can trust me, just ask for a sign and I will show you that I'm trustworthy. I'll do what it is that you ask so you can see that I'm trustworthy, that my will is, is something to be trusted in. And in verse 12, it says, but Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. It's almost like Ahaz is positioning himself as some type of moral authority. <laughs> like, listen, God, I, I appreciate the offer, but I don't, I don't need a sign or anything. I'm all right. I won't do that. It's like he wants to, to, uh, to position himself as above testing the Lord. The reality is he doesn't want God to confirm his will. Something happens clearly in line with, with God revealing a sign, then Ahaz has to renegotiate everything he's already put into motion. And there'll be consequences for those decisions. You see, there's a difference between testing God because of unbelief, right? Where you test him because you're just, you don't believe that God can do this. And so you're going to test God versus what it is that's happening here in the text, which is confirming God's will in order to take a step of faith. In other words, there's nothing wrong to say, I think I've heard from the Lord, but I just need some clarity. If I can gain some clarity that this really is the Lord and it's not my flesh, then I'll take that step of faith. I'll take that, that leap. I'll take that God risk. We get confirmation in godly counsel for that, right? When we're going to make a significant decision, we think the Lord is in it. We ask godly counsel. We see if it aligns with scripture. Those are ways of, in a healthy way, testing whether or not God is speaking. You've heard maybe people say, I just, I just need to know it's God's will. If it's just God's will, then, oh, I would do it. If I just knew that I knew, then I would certainly do it. <laughs> More often than not, those people know that it's God's will. They just don't want to take the risk. It's just too scary. It just goes against their preconceived idea of how this might fl flesh out. They can't control it. They can't see it. They can't touch it. And so they're afraid. 
They're gripped with fear. Ahaz knew God's will. Get this. He just didn't like it. He just didn't like it. That's us. That's us time and time again. It's like we know what it is that God might be asking us to do. We just, we don't like it because it doesn't line up with with what it is that, that we planned on. And here's the deal. More often than not, what it is that we planned is easy. It's just low risk. It ends with us getting all the stuff. It ends with the path of least resistance. It's like... If God would just choose the easiest, most glamorous way for me to live my life, then honestly, we would always be on the same page. (laughs) That's not the way it works, right? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes God's will is difficult. Oftentimes we know God's will. We know what we need to do. It's just hard. So we don't like it. And you don't like it. In fact, in those situations, if... If we're not willing to say, oh, you know, it's just, a, I need more time. I need more time. Well, sometimes it's who will tell me what I want to hear. And so in an unhealthy way, sometimes we turn to the people that aren't giving us godly counsel, but the people that are our real friends. Of course, they're not our real friends because they're not giving us the truth in love. They're just kind of speaking to our flesh. They're telling us what it is we want to hear. And so we turn to all the wrong things. Listen, it means sacrifice and trust when we're talking about doing the hard thing in line with God's will. Sacrifice and trust. Those are not popular words. So here's a question to ask. If you're in the midst of decision, you say, listen, I really like Claude, you're talking about all this stuff, but I really don't know God's will here. So I'd ask, have you gone to godly counsel? Have you spoken with people that know the word of God, that are willing to pray with you, that are willing to confirm or deny what it is that you're asking? If you've, if you've done that and you still don't have a lot of clarity, have you gone, I mean, obviously, but I'll say it anyway, have you gone to the word of God? You know, is there, and that should be first, does the word of God go against what it is that you're talking about? Have you gone to godly counsel? And then I think in the end, if you have a question that you really want to ask is this, if I do this, will it possibly make more disciples of Jesus? If I do this thing, will it possibly make more disciples of Jesus? That's a great question in order to reset your priorities. Listen, I know some of you don't like that question because you're like, wait, I was hoping the question would be, if I do this, will my life be better? If I do this, will I be happy? Because after all, God went to a cross and died, so you'd be happy. (laughs) Of course not, right? That's not the goal. There's something eternal and larger and bigger than that. Are you asking the right questions? Or are you asking the same questions that a completely immoral person that doesn't believe in God would be asking? Because that person would be asking, is this make me happy? Does this make me more money? Is this more relaxing? Is this more comfortable? Those are easy human questions to ask. I'm talking about deciphering the will of God. Saying, listen, will this make more disciples of Jesus? Because after all, if you profess to be a Christ follower, then you're here to make disciples. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's sacrificial. There's joy in the journey though. There's joy. We pursue happiness, which is temporal, but the reality is joy is eternal. There's a difference, and it resets our priorities. Let's look at verse 14. 
Verse 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now that verse might sound familiar from Christmas time. But the reality is, as Ahaz is saying, no, no, I could never, I could never ask of a sign. I could never ask of a sign. God is saying, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give all humanity and all of time a sign of my love and my trustworthiness. And it's going to be in the, in the person and work of Jesus, the Son of God. God will provide a sign. Jesus is that ultimate sign. Jesus is the proof of God's love for you personally. Are you, like Ahaz, ignoring that sign and trying to save yourself? Are you trying to save yourself? Are you, are you leaning back on, man, it's just, I can't catch a break. This is unbelievable. I can't believe there's consequences for my actions. Or are you leaning in to the person and work of Jesus and allowing that to prioritize how you function in your life and the decisions you make? If you're trying to save yourself, then don't be shocked by the consequences of living for yourself. Just do yourself a favor. Don't, don't be shocked. You can't be shocked and be surprised when, when the police show up on the day that you come home. You know, you can't be surprised when your actions lead to consequences. If you're going to try to save yourself, well, then there's consequences for you living for yourself. Listen, that verse, it says, and his name, Emmanuel, they call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And, and like I said, we talk about that at Christmas time. If you're connected to, to a church on any level, you've probably heard that before. But in Hebrew, God with us actually means that God is guiding and helping to fulfill his calling in us. Think about that for a second. Saying, listen, Jesus is a sign, and he's a sign that God is guiding and helping to fulfill his calling in you personally. That means you matter. Regardless of the lies you tell yourself, regardless of the lies that well-meaning and unwell-meaning, I'm not sure belligerent or mean people have spoken into your life, the fact is there have been lies that have been spoken into your life by yourself or others. The truth is you matter. You matter. There's a plan and purpose for your life. Your life has purpose. Your life has purpose. The decisions that you've made are in the past, but God can actively redeem even your worst decisions. And he can leverage it towards his glory if you're just willing to say, okay, I will, I will trust in you, Lord. Your life has purpose. It's beyond temporal things. You have eternal and lasting purpose. Here's the deal. It's not accumulation. Let me just, let me give you the spoiler alert. It is not accumulation. The world around us lives to accumulate. They want money. They want stuff. And here's the deal. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. You could work 40 hours a week. You could work 60 hours a week. You could go back for higher education. You could do all the training. You could do all the different things in this world to better equip yourself to get a bigger paycheck. But at the end of the day, that won't bring you joy. And if you don't believe that, if you sit there and say, oh, no, trust me, if I had more money, whew, then I'd have joy. 
all that means is you haven't gotten enough to believe that it don't, doesn't bring joy. So if you need to, then work harder, get more. And at the end of your life, you'll realize that what I'm saying is true. Look in the newspaper, if those even are printed anymore. <laughs> look on any social media outlet. Look in any magazine. Look at anywhere where there are people far wealthier than you and watch as they strive and search and search and search. Why? Because they want something they can never get because accumulation isn't the answer. You can have it all and still be trying to fill a void that it simply will not fill. And it's not just about money. If you're out there and say, well, I don't care about money. Listen, it's not found in education. It's not found in sports. It's not found in relationships. All good things. Those are all good things. But if you live for them, if you live for those things, then you become a slave to them. You become a slave to them and you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. If you've experienced it, if you know what it's like to accumulate and accumulate and all of a sudden just become a slave to your job and to, to making more money and getting more money and it's never enough money and people are never um, really grateful for how much you provide and they're just not thankful for the things you have and the stuff you give or whether it's the, the sports that you continue to lean into and the schedules that get insane and all the stuff you're a slave to. Your slave, they're good things that have become ultimate things. It's the definition of an idol. You have a calling. God is with you. There's a purpose and plan for your life. So don't get so mixed up in the temporal that you lose sight of the whole plan as a, as a larger meta-narrative. Listen, God laid down his life. He laid down his life for something greater than what it is that you can gather in this temporal world. God told Isaiah to tell Ahaz this, and Ahaz placed his faith in temporal things, and he suffered the consequences. And we'll see how much he suffered. But centuries later, the prophecy came to fruition. Jesus, the Messiah, literally with us. And in Christ, God gave us a sign. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. He paid the ultimate penalty for our sin. And in doing so, he saved us. Our salvation is not in our works. It's not in the, the definition of success of the world around us. Our salvation is in the person and work of Jesus. And once we realize that, we can rest in that reality. And suddenly, everything around us becomes an opportunity to further God's will, his purpose, and his plan. And so we don't have to, to chase and we don't have to, to work up the effort to accumulate more and to do more things and to, to try to prove ourselves because we're already loved. We're already accepted. And so we can rest in that and live on mission. The reality is, on some level, Ahaz could attempt to claim ignorance, <laughs> but for sure, we can't claim ignorance. We make a decision daily what we will live for in full knowledge of the person and work of Jesus who came and laid down his life for you and me. And then we'll reap the consequences of what we live for, what we give our one and only life to. It's unbelievable the things that, that we settle for, things we get distracted by, the meaningless things we'll spend hours on. Verse 20 says this, 
terms of consequences. In verse 20, it says, In that day the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. That might sound like a confusing verse, but there's something you have to understand. In Hebrew society, forced shaving was a mark of humiliation. So what God is saying here is as you continue to try to control your own life and save yourself, Ahaz, well, you need to realize that there will be consequences for your decision. There will be humiliation from the very people that you've paid to save you. In the end, they will humiliate you. And we see that come to fruition. History t- teaches us that reality. There will be consequences for your decisions. That's just the reality. What you trust in besides the Lord will destroy you in the end. What are you trusting in? What is it that you're giving your life to? Because the sign has already been provided. If we lean into the person and work of Jesus, it'll allow us to reorder our priorities. So why would you trust in anything besides the Lord? Why would you trust in anything else? Think about that. You know, there's a critical moment in the Gospels where some of the followers of Jesus hear a teaching that he gave. And they say it's difficult for them to hear. And some of them start to leave. They're no longer following Jesus because it was hard. They didn't like what they were hearing. And he turns to his disciples and he says, well, you leave too. And the disciples look at him and say, where else would we go? You're the Christ. Who else would we follow? I want you to think about that today as you're hearing this and as you're contemplating the life of Ahaz that runs kind of parallel with our own lives. Where else would you go? What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? We say that the text requires something of us. And so I want us to, to contemplate this by asking, us, asking yourselves this question. How does Jesus being present impact my life? How does Jesus being present impact my life? For some of you today, Jesus being present, God with us, it means that we've been uh, solidifying ourselves as our own savior. We've been sitting literally on the throne of our own lives. And today is the day that we need to respond by surrendering to the Lord and asking him to be the Lord and leader of our life, that we would surrender to Jesus. And if you're out there and that's you, it's as simple as praying a prayer. And it doesn't have to be a specific prayer. It's something that would be along the lines of acknowledging and admitting that you're a sinner, but that Jesus died for your sins. You can ask him to be the Lord and leader of your life, to forgive you. And that begins a relationship. In fact, if you're with us on the live platform and you're praying that prayer right now, I just want to encourage you to to click on request prayer and you'll be put in a private chat with one of the hosts because we want to talk to you about the decision you've made and what next steps could look like. If you're listening or watching this later, you can email us or reach out on the website. We'd love to walk alongside you as you learn to, to see what it looks like to follow Jesus as we continue to learn to follow Jesus together. For others of us, it means maybe a change of priorities. If Jesus is present in our lives, then what does it look like as we navigate our time and our talent and our treasure? 
What is it that we're giving to? Our lives, our finances, everything. What are we actually living for? And what's the eternal value of those things? Are we living in line with God's will? Or have we allowed good things to become ultimate things? You see, we can endeavor to do and engage in all of these things with Christ as the center, right? We can go on mission as we join those sports teams. We can live on mission in our workplace. We can renegotiate our time by, the, by prioritizing that which matters to the Lord. It's just a matter of what it is that we actually trust in. So I want you to consider that. How does Jesus being present impact my life? Are you making disciple-making decisions? Are you living as a disciple of Jesus? Let's ask the Lord to reprioritize our heart and mind as we contemplate that. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just declare ourselves available. We ask that you would search our heart, Holy Spirit. Would you show us the areas of our lives that we have begun to to trust in ourselves, that we've begun to trust, begin to trust in temporal things, in things that ultimately lead to uh, the world's definition of success and value. Father, I pray that those things wouldn't capture our heart and mind, but that we would be captured by you, by uh, the truth of your word, by your love, and by your uh, plan for our lives. And we ask that you would lead us and guide us and direct us in all the decisions that we make. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excited to continue in this series with you again next week. Hope to see you then. Thanks for gathering with us today. It's time well spent and any time you take to apply what you've heard will also be so worthwhile. Let's all be intentional about worshiping with our whole lives this week. There are many ways to worship and one thing we love to do together is to sing. And if you're gathered live, we're about to do just that. If you're not with us live, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our Summer Breakthrough playlist. You can also look for the video that will be posted on our Facebook page. For those gathered live on the online platform, we'll see you on Facebook or Instagram in a few minutes.